Hi, this is Corey Turner, and along with my wife Simone, we are the senior pastors of Numa Church. I wanted to thank you for listening to our podcast today. You're about to hear a message from one of our team that we pray builds your faith and empowers you to follow Jesus more closely. Enjoy the message. So I'm really excited to share this word because as you know, we are in revival season. Revival broke out in August last year and is still going. Basically, God opened up the heavens and began to pour out blessings and promises and His favour and His word and healing and testimonies began to break out amongst the family of God and into the streets. And we are still in this season of revival. And also, we are now in the new year as well. We're in the second week of the new year. There may be anticipation, there may be excitement, there may be some dread, there may be, maybe you're apathetic after the last few years, maybe you're complacent and comfortable where you are. Wherever you find yourself today, in this revival season and in this new year, God has work for you. God has work for you no matter how you're feeling. And I just want to explore this today. You, want, you ready to go on a journey with me? So I've got some good news and bad news. Which news do you want to hear first? All right, let's hear the good news. Um, so basically, every person here, God has an assignment that is specific for you. So you are created and valued to walk with God and also to do a work that has been set before you. So there is no way that you can say there's nothing for me. God literally has an assignment for you specifically. And that's the good news. The bad news is that every promise requires obedience. Every promise that God gives requires a cost or a sacrifice on your behalf. As we heard choices, we have to make a choice to choose my way or God's way. So that's the bad news, but it's actually not so bad as we make it out to be. I mean, you look at Abraham. God said to him, you're going to be the father of many nations. Your descendants are going to be like the stars in heaven. Wow, music to my ears. But then he tells him to get out of his home and go to a foreign land. That was the cost that he had to make, the sacrifice he had to make. He could have just gone Google images and Google the place he was going to check out the photos and see a beautiful beach or a beautiful wood site. He literally had no idea where he was going. So that was the sacrifice he had to make. Noah, God says, I'm going to save your family. Oh. Beautiful news, but you're going to have to build an ark inside of every single person and you're going to be mocked for it because they have no idea what you're doing. It's going to take time. It's going to take effort. It's going to take a cost and a sacrifice. So Noah had to build that ark before God came in and saved the family from a flood. You look at Mary and Joseph. Mary's living her life, ready to get married to Joseph. And then all of a sudden God says, you're going to get pregnant with the son of God. Like, oh, wow, what a blessing. But then all of a sudden you realize pregnancy, there's going to be an obvious shame out of wedlock for other people to see. And also the cost of raising a son, not only that, the son of God, there's a cost and a sacrifice even on Joseph's behalf. And then Jesus, coming from his place of heaven in majesty and, and, and royalty to come down to earth and be with us. That was the sacrifice he had to make. So the sermon title that I have is when it comes to a promise, what am I to do? What am I to do now? What am I to do today? God is pouring out all his blessings and promises. There's prophetic words being spoken. There's all these great things that are music to our ears. 
But as we come after a couple months of this, we have to come to a point where we ask ourselves and ask God, what am I to do now? Because as God is pouring out, we need to rise up to the challenge and carry the mantle that God is giving us. So listen up, church. Whether God has asked something of you already or whether you have no idea what God is asking of you, there is something for you today. Whether you know your dream and your calling right now in this place or whether you have no idea God is asking something of you today. Whether you are doing something and living out your dream today and calling an assignment, there is something for you today. So I encourage you, come on this journey with me to ask God, what am I to do today? Can we go on this journey together? Amen. The great thing about the Bible is as I was exploring this topic, it became so obvious to me that the Bible is full of stories of people taking the mantle of the promise of God and going, what am I to do? And God is speaking into their lives and they're doing it. So we could be encouraged by the stories that we can see in the Bible. And I want to explore one today, which is the apostles in Acts. So we're going to go to Acts chapter 1. We don't have um, any Bible verse on the screens because I was wrestling with God. What story should I share? I was going back and forth with Pram, with my notes. But then I settled on this story because I believe that this is the most simple and powerful story that we could get what God wants out for us today. So let's open up our Bibles. We're going old school today. So basically in Acts, the disciples have just spent uh, three years in ministry, walking with Jesus, being equipped, learning about the mysteries of God, learning about the ways of God, learning about the heart of God, seeing what Jesus was doing in the lives of the people in the community. And they were looking at his life and they were starting to model that behaviour, model that ministry and also transform their hearts to see what God wants for them. And then Jesus died on the cross, he rose again and then he appears back to them and spends 40 days with them doing his final words before he leaves. And this is where we find ourselves in Acts chapter 1. Verse 3, after his suffering, Jesus presented himself to the apostles and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to the disciples over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with the disciples, Jesus gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem. But wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. This is what they were to do in that moment. Then the disciples gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you going to at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to the disciples, it is not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witness in Jerusalem in all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So that was the command that Jesus gave to the apostles and that's what they were to do. Now, taking this on requires an element of faith that we're going to explore right now. They were told to wait they were told to stay somewhere and then they were told to receive something. So they asked God, are you going to do this? So asking requires faith. 
Faith in asking, faith in receiving that word and faith in believing it. Can you imagine that when Jesus went away, the apostles were like, oh, maybe I'll just go somewhere else instead. By faith, they had to understand that this was what God commanded them to do and this is what they were to do in that moment. However, it looks like whatever was gonna happen, they were gonna hold on to this word. There was a build up to this moment for the disciples that Jesus trained them up, built them up for this command, this instruction. So by faith, we need to ask God, what am I to do now? So Jesus set themselves up, ready to go. What am I to do now? When I was 12 years old, I was asking the question to God, what am I to do? I remember that I went to a Hillsong conference. There was an elective called Brotherhood, which was a great program for boys that were learning how to become Christian men. And um, they were talking about dreams. And I remember sitting there going, I want to be a football player. Amazing how that turned out. I'm still waiting for my career to happen. Um, but I, wanted to, I sat there going, I want to be a football player. And then all of a sudden, I realized that they were talking about something else. But I didn't quite understand what they were talking about. I knew it was something different and something deeper. But as a 12-year-old, I wasn't quite grasping the concept. And as they spoke through the whole week about dreams and what God's dream is for you, what he's got a plan for you, I still wrestled with it, but I knew there was something that I had to take a hold of. So at the very last day, we, or second last day, we had that elective class. Everyone left. I went straight up to the guy that was running it as a 12-year-old kid, really want a penny for his thoughts at that moment. I said to him, I said, I don't have a dream. How do I get it? And he said, all we have to do is ask God. I was like, surely it's not that easy. Like, come on. So he sat me down and then he prayed over me to, to receive a dream. And then I went off as if nothing had happened. And then that night, we went to the night rally. And I'm just singing to the songs of Delirious, a UK band back in the day, Check it on YouTube if you want to get some old school songs. I'm singing to this song, Delirious, I'm praising, praising Jesus. And all of a sudden, these words come out of my mouth that says, you will have a life-expiring story that will change people's lives. And I realized something had been spoken into my life in that very moment, that very night, after asking God by faith, and I had to receive it. I remember messaging my mom, who was back in Melbourne at that time, saying, you know, God says something to me. I'm going to have a life inspiring story that would change people's lives. Did I know what that looks like? No. But by faith, I received it. And by faith, I believed it. And the reality is God wants to pour out his blessings and promises to the people that come to him. All we need to do is have a posture of faith to say, I don't have it. I don't know what you want me to do, God. What is it? We need to have a hunger and a thirst for God to bring that. We have to have faith to ask and to receive and to believe. Just in the same way the disciples said, are you going to do this? But Jesus says, no, 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 that's not for you to know, but you're going to do this. And we need to receive it by faith. Along with that, faith needs to be accompanied by actions. The disciples, and the, when they became the apostles, could have easily gone in a different direction. They could have just been praying in that room going, nothing's happening, let's just leave. But by faith, they believed it. We need to have the same and be accompanied by actions. And speaking of actions, if you don't know your dream or you don't have any understanding like I did when I was a 12-year-old boy, I want to give you that opportunity later today. Just as that man sat me down and prayed over me, I want to give you the opportunity to pray over you so we together can ask 
by faith and receive by faith that God's going to do something. Yeah? So if that's you, keep that in the back of your mind and then we'll go back to that later. Is that good? So we need to have an opportunity to pray with you if you don't know God's calling because the reality is God wants to pour out his blessing. God wants to pour out his promises and he has been pouring it out. We are in the season of revival where we can just approach God with confidence and boldness and say, God, what am I to do? What am I to do now? What am I to do now? So as faith is accompanied by actions, where we ask and receive, we need to seek God. We need to seek Him and His presence, and that requires focus, which is the second thing I want to explore today. When God reveals something, there is always work that needs to be done. And that, again, is the bad news. Too many people listen to the prophetic words. Again, it's music to their ears. Like, wow, God's amazing. They're standing in the church worshiping God, saying this is incredible. But then when it comes to putting work, that's where we lose people. That's where we lose ourselves in the process. We have to put in some work because faith without works is dead. So when the prophecy comes, we need to be willing to put in the work. And this is what the disciples did in Acts verse 1, 12 to 14. So keep your Bible open on Acts 1 we're going to go through this today. So Acts verse 1, 12 to 14. It says, Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day walk from the city. One day, one whole day they walked. So they went from one place to another where Jesus told them to go. And it took them a whole day. So they were putting in work by faith. And then when they arrived, the apostles went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, yep, I'm here, and Andrew, Philip, and Thomas, and Bath, and Matthew, and James, another one, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Sealot, and Judas, son of James. Oh man, blessings are coming from the name of James. But they set themselves up, and they all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. So Jesus was gone. He had gone up back to the heavens with, with God, sit at the right hand of the throne. So this was the first test that they had to face. They received the word and they had to carry it and they had to walk in it, even though they had no idea what they looked like. The Holy Spirit was probably not a concept in their heads. Like we can read the Bible with the context and the background of what they went through. So I had no idea. If someone's going to come, who is it? I don't know. Who are we expecting? But by faith, they held on to the instruction and that created their focus. We're going to do this no matter how it looks like. And then through that worshipping, through that prayer, there was a building, there was a preparation, and there was an equipping, and that comes from seeking God. So for example, when I was uh, 14 years old, um, I began to have a desire to preach, and God tapped me on the shoulder and said, you're going to preach. So that was the next step of my dream that was building up. Dreams are progressive. God will give you something and then he'll build up. So I preached a 15-minute message at youth and it was the best thing I ever did in my life at that point. I said, like, I want to do this for the rest of my life. And then God said, go to Bible college, study my word. And I knew that I was going to Bible college when I was 16, so I had to wait three years before I got in there. Studied theology, studied God, grew, built myself up, equipped myself, prepared myself and then when I 
graduated with a Bachelor of Arts in Ministry. I walked out of there, chest puffed out, saying the world is not ready for me. But the reality is I was not ready for the world. After that, nothing, nothing was coming my way. And I was praying for opportunities, like this is going to be the year that God's favour, opportunities, nothing. Then the next year came, this is going to be the year of opportunity, nothing. But what I didn't realise was that there was a season that I needed to focus on God, to build, to prepare, to equip. And God gave me a vision on me building a foundation with wood blocks. And he said, the wider you build it, the higher you can go. If you stop and take a shortcut, your future will be shortchanged. So my focus was building that foundation, equipping myself. So I said to God, if I can't do full-time ministry, what do you want me to do? He said, go to management. That's all he said. So what does that look like? How do I get there? So I began to apply for jobs. I began to look at other jobs, began to try to find office. Nothing was coming my way except for one shiny light beacon in Dandenong Plaza. That was Nando's. And I'm like, all right, let's do this. And from day one, I said, I'm going to bring kingdom culture into this. I'm going to build myself up to manage these people. I'm going to love them like they're my little family. I'm going to bring the love of God into this. I'm going to build myself up, learn how to manage business, people, and all the other things. And I'm going to let God prepare me. And here I am four years later, growing in this role, growing in every challenge, went through COVID lockdown, dealing with all the stuff they were carrying, mental challenges, emotional challenges, people coming in and out, but it has built me and equipped me as I continue to focus on God. So on the sore front of your eyes, you might just see me running in Nando's restaurant, but really God is just doing something in me, preparing me for the season ahead when it's going to call me out of something else. So don't discount what you are to do now. Because when we get angry at God when we pray for a tree, but he gives us a seed. Has anyone actually received everything they prayed for just like in a gift-wrapped tree? Nobody. So we need to understand the principle that when God gives us a seed, He gives us an instruction and that we need to focus on building and nurturing and cultivating the soil and work with God in partnership to build that up. We can't do what God is to do, but God won't do what, what we need to do. And it's a partnership that we build. We need to have time to nurture, to grow. Just like Noah, building that ark. Just building it one day at a time. Just like Abraham walking along. Father of many nations always got his one son walking behind him. But as the father of many nations, he would have had plenty of time to think and ponder. But he still focused on God. Moses, when they were wandering around before they got to the promised land, trying to get the commandments down, trying to get the culture right, trying to get them to follow God, trying to get them to understand God, he was cultivating them, preparing them for the promised land. So it is time now for you to allow God to do work in you. Using the analogy of the tree, the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. The second best time is now. Too often we fluff around, dreaming a bit. There's nothing wrong with it, but if we're not doing the work now, we're not going to get there. We're not going to get there. So what am I to do now if I have received something? How is God wanting to build you up in Him? So when the time comes, you have the width, the depth, and the breadth for what God has called you to be because you've gone through the journey that no one else could take your place in that position because the opportunity is perfect for you. 
So don't discount what God is doing in the season of training and building yourself up for the opportunity that he told you will come. Just like he said to the apostles, go and wait. And this was after three years of spending intimate time with Jesus. They probably were ready, but he still made them wait because he wanted to see them seek his face before the opportunity came. And I remember in the season of revival during August, September, October, I found myself chasing prophecies because I told myself I want a fresh word. So I was going to different people and then one guy said one thing. I was like, yeah, I know that. All good. I went to the second guy and said the exact same thing. I was like, okay, this is annoying. I went to the third guy and said the exact same thing. I'm like, okay. And then Pastor Corey was the last one. I said, this man is the most accurate prophet in the whole world. He's prophesied over me before. He prophesied in detail. He will have something different. And then he's praying over people. And he comes up to me and says two words. And they were the exact words that everyone else said. Secret place, God's word. I was like, The first word I got was, Spend time in God's word. The second word I got, I see you in the secret place, four hours. That's even worse than the first because they give me a time limit of four hours. As I said to myself, I wanted something fresh, but really I wanted something easy. I was looking for an easy way out. But I had to put in the work. God was telling me to build myself up in the secret place, into the word, so that he could pull out what is in me in that season when the time comes to share the word in ministry. And and, and the reality is, there is talk around the churches, around the Christian world, that there is a sense of urgency in this time of revival. People are calling the last great revival before Jesus comes back. The voice of Jesus is loud in my ears. I, I, I listen to people sharing that Jesus is doing something. God is doing something because there's going to be something happening after all this. So there is an urgency to do something now to build yourself up, but don't miss this opportunity of what God is doing in you so that he can do something through you. And something that shook me to the core was when someone said to me, your prophecy is not a promise, it's actually only potential. I said, what do you mean by that? And it's not a guarantee until you take your place of responsibility and do the work. Now it's no longer music to my ears. All the prophetic words that comes up, you're going to do great things, you're going to do amazing things, but then all of a sudden once you chew it and you realise the work that God is doing in you, that He has to do in you, that you have to commit and sacrifice and pay a cost, there's work to be done. So church, can we rise up to our place of responsibility and do what God is calling us to do so that He can prepare us for the opportunity that He has before us? Let us not let this opportunity to pass us by, especially in this season of revival. Now let's go to Acts chapter 2. The apostles just spent time in prayer with each other in the Word. They spent 10 days after spending 40 days with Jesus. And all of a sudden the Holy Spirit comes at the Pentecost. Something is happening. And from chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. They had faith and they had focus. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit enabled them. This was a time to go. 
This was the time to do something. This was the time where they had to follow through with what God had told them to do. So everything that they did from the time Jesus said, come and follow me to the three years of ministry with Jesus, to the death, the resurrection of Jesus, to go to this place, someone's going to come to you. This was the moment that they were being built up for and they remained in that whole process and the time was now to go. Can you imagine if this had happened and then the apostles began to get scared and began to shrink back? But this is what actually happened. In chapter 2, verse 38, 38 to 47, Peter got up and he said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sin. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and all who are far off. This is what they were to do. For all whom the Lord our God will call, And with many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to that number that day. And then they kept going. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So this was the 3,000 that were added. This is what they were to do. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to breaking of bread, to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe at the wonders and signs performed by the apostles. So the apostles started to follow through with what Jesus was saying. They understood the assignment and they went for it. And in the same way, the people that were added to the family were then now seeking God as a result and building themselves up in that faith. The reality is sometimes we could get paralyzed by the analysis of what's going on. It's paralysis by analysis. When something's about to happen, we freak out and we go, okay, God, are you sure this is the opportunity? Am I meant to go? Is this the time that you call me to do? And we get worried about all the what-ifs and all the situations and all the stuff that comes up that we may be thinking about. When God is just telling us to go. When God is telling us to go. As God said, spend time in the Word, James, spend time in the secret place. He began to say, start writing sermons. And I was like, oh man, but I don't really have any motivation to do it. He was like, just do it. So I began to start writing some. And all of a sudden, Steve, Pastor Steve, tapped me on the shoulder and said, you're up, you're up. And I was like, well, I'm not ready for this, man. I'm not, like, I haven't even, I've only written one or two. I'm not ready for this. But then I understood the assignment that God has said, go. So I had to follow through with that. In the same way, a soldier has to train at the bases to understand and be equipped with the tools and the dynamics and the strategy. At some point, he has to go out there and perform his duty in the battlefield, in the trenches. And I feel like some people here, God is asking some of you to be in the trenches right now. Some, God has said, go, but you're still waiting for something else. When God says, go, you go. God has asked some of you to get in the trenches and serve or work or lead or drive something, whatever it may be. But the good news is God is in the trenches with you. Like at Nando's, when, when they're in the battlefield, hospitality goes wild, man. When they're in the battlefield, they feel better when I'm there with them, when I'm there backing them up because they know that there is a sense of confidence they get when their boss is with them, driving them, leading them, directing them. I'm not in some office in the, in the back just doing my own thing and letting them do their thing. No, I'm with them, helping them, supporting them, leading them. In the same way, God is leading you in the trenches. That we need to have that confidence that God is with us. That the Holy Spirit is with us. God has given us the tools. Faith, 
focus. And sometimes all that is left is to follow through. And I want to share one of my favorite passages in Exodus. Exodus chapter 13. Sorry, Exodus chapter 14. This is where Moses has delivered the people from Egypt. He's done all the hard work. They finally got themselves out and they're now approaching the Red Sea. And the Egyptians started to get scared. Sorry, the Israelites started to get scared because all they could see in front of them was the Red Sea and behind them the Egyptians gaining ground. They began to get scared. And then Moses answered the people. It's like, stop, do not be afraid. Stand firm, just stay where you are and you'll see the deliverance of the Lord. The Egyptians you see today, you'll never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. You only need to stay where you are. And then my favorite part, the Lord then comes to Moses and says, why are you crying out to me? So I say, what? Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move. Tell them to go. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that Israelites could go through the sea on dry ground. God told them to move and then Moses had to follow through. He did not ask them to be still. He told them to go and Moses responded. And the story ends that they walked through the Red Sea as it parted and then when they finished, the Egyptians followed them and the sea covered them. Can you imagine if they stayed where they were? There's so many ways that stories can end when people don't do what God has commanded them to do. Another one, Jesus Christ. He is praying before God before, his, before taking up the cross. He says, take this cup away from me if you can. But then when the time comes, he says, it is happening. Let's do it. Can you imagine if Jesus Christ didn't follow through? Whew, we wouldn't be here today, that's for sure. Can you imagine if all the people didn't follow through? Noah, Abraham, Moses, Jesus. The Bible story is littered with stories of people having faith in God and focusing on Him and following through in the instructions. And He wants the same for you. So in this season, in this new year, God is asking you to do something. We need to ask ourselves and before God, what am I to do? God has an assignment and an instruction for each and every one of us. And the reality is God is always speaking. Are you listening? I feel like some of you already know, but you think you don't know because you've kind of dimmed it down or ignored it. And we want to bring that back to life in this season. Some of you know, but they're not sure what to do now. God is going to bring that to life, bring clear direction. We complicate things as human beings, whereas we're going to go into the process of simplifying it before God. If you have no idea, I could give you two promises as a starting point that you can hold. First one is 2 Chronicles 7, verse 14. God is speaking. He says, If my people who are called by my name, which is us, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, and I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. So God is wanting His people to seek His face, to turn around and say, yes, I'm yours. What do you want me to do, God? And the second one is Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20, which is a promise that we all have that Jesus has given us. Jesus says to the apostles, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you. 
Every single promise that God gives you specifically, every single assignment that God gives you specifically will operate under these concepts. To seek God, because the commandment is to love God with all your heart. And secondly, to make disciples for all nations, teaching them, because we are to love our neighbours ourselves. So God has an assignment for you. And you hold on to these two promises that begin asking God, what am I to do? So my question is for you today. Is God calling you to faith in asking and receiving? Is God calling you to steward what you have by seeking and building and training? Or is God calling us to follow through by doing something? And I feel like God is doing something in this house. If you look back at the messages we just had, Selah, to go before God and seek Him. God, what do you have for me today? The week before that, Pastor Candace shared a message about Mary's obedience. Mary's yes to follow through with that. And next week, if I hear right, it's going to be the perfect setup for this. It's basically to get ready for what God's going to do. So God is literally doing something. It's speaking to the church and we just got to listen and respond. Thank you for joining us for this message today. We don't assume that every person listening has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today we invite you to begin following Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. The Bible teaches that every one of us has been created for a relationship with God. Sin has separated us from that relationship, but God loved us so much that He gave us His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus lived, died and rose again, conquering sin, Satan and death itself. If we believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. So if you are ready to pray in faith, turning away from your sin and believing in Jesus for your salvation, please pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God and I ask you to forgive me and cleanse my heart from all of my sin. I receive by faith the free gift of eternal life and I ask that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit. I thank you that I am born again as a child of God and that you have made me a new creation in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you have prayed that prayer for the first time, we would love to know and help connect you to a local church in your area. You can contact us on our website, numa.church. Thank you for listening.